Momentum Volleyball is the online Canadian hub for volleyball storytelling, reporting, and event coverage, allowing content creators to connect with fans, coaches, and players. Momentum is the hub for athletes, coaches, and fans to find free and paid volleyball content, and we are proud to be the voice of Canadian volleyball around the world. Head to MomentumVolleyball.ca to subscribe for free and get access to exclusive content and all your Canadian volleyball updates. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for today's guest. He grew up playing for Canuck and eventually turned into the Canuck Dinos, where he's a provincial and national champion. He's played for Trinity Western State, and he's currently with Red Deer. Uh, he spent time with our youth national team, and most impressively, jumping on this wagon of a team, he got 14 aces in a three-set match recently with Red Deer setting an ACAC record. Please welcome to the show, Maddox Greaves. Maddox, thanks for doing this, man. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, we usually follow a timeline and start from the beginning, but but I got to tell you, Tom Sora shared it on Instagram, and I saw it, and I was like, no way, like 14 aces in three sets, you got to be kidding me, but like, you must have felt like the other court was as big as an ocean when you're back there hitting it, like, uh, how did it feel, like, were you aware of the record, or you were just having a, a great time from the service line? No, uh, yeah, it's pretty funny, you know, some days you kind of just got it, and it seems like, you know, the harder you hit it, the more likely it's going to go in, <laughs> at least uh, I have, you know, that is kind of thing but uh yeah i was working through that match and it kind of you know i knew i was getting up there a little bit i didn't think i had that many aces but i had some guys you know i'm going back there this year again and he's uh like no you're two away you're two away like don't tell me that like i don't need to change anything like i've been serving i've been like i don't need to hit it harder i don't need to do anything more and just uh just went back there and just kept kind of i hit the same serve basically all day it was just kind of like that one stick was cut and it was just <laughs> I don't know. It was just, yeah. And what I was most happy about, I think, was kind of, it wasn't necessarily the eights, the two, it was kind of my errors. I only had two misters, which was, <laughs> which I was, I was thrilled about. And uh, I think I had like 24 serve attempts that game, which I don't think I've served that much in like even a practice. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was, my shoulder was definitely feeling it the next day, but you know, I was pretty happy with my performance. And, yeah. Nice, nice. So you said you were trying to locate, like you have your spot that you like to rip it up the one six there. But sometimes you hear guys like they just kind of go into a flow state and they're just like hitting it. Like, do you try to be pinpoint, or you just knew that if you if you put some like hook on it, it was going to perform for you? I would, uh, I would definitely say I have some intent when I'm serving, as in I, I'd like to pick a team and typically you know attacking teams. And I'd say by far my my best serve is kind of that one six right now, kind of giving me I'm hitting it from one, so I kind of got more court there and allows it to cut even more. Um, uh, but, you know, I'm still good for that. I aim for one and I miss and hit five, you know. So <laughs> that's still not out of the out of the question kind of thing. If you try to hit a little too hard, you know, I'm good for those. But uh, I, I definitely say I put some attention to where I'm serving and just, again, not just, just power it kind of wherever it is, but, again, finding a scene and that's kind of just getting those results and whatnot. Now, you, you don't have to admit this on the air here, but I, I am curious, when you're going back and you're going on these runs, like, does fatigue ever set in? Like you talk about like 24 service attempts in a three set match. Like uh, w when you're hitting like serves five, six and seven, do you ever look around and be like, can I stay down on this one coach? Or maybe you don't have as much mustard. Like that's a long time to be back on a run sometimes. Yeah, no, I think I, I was in a good mental state. I think as in just kind of reset and kind of recoup every fatigue set and kind of focus on the task at hand. But I missed uh, the previous four games due to COVID. I wasn't able to play because of our return to play protocol. So I, I was just really happy to be out there. And it was, it was a nice way to come back. And yeah, I was just 
and I was excited to be out there. And yeah, I definitely didn't feel too fatigued. I was just, you know, if anything, I wanted to serve more, I think. And, Nice, yeah. nice. So to take it from the top here for our listeners, I'm sure they recognize the last name where your father played for our national team. Uh, your, your siblings have all played at the post-secondary level. So uh, right away as a kid, like, were you playing a lot of sports? Was volleyball always the sport in the house? Like, uh, were you old enough to kind of remember your dad slinging it? Like, what was it just like growing up? Were you a volleyball guy from the start or were you doing every sport with your brothers? Um, so, yeah, I guess you could say I was kind of born into volleyball with Obviously, my my dad being quite successful um, with the national team, playing in the Barcelona Olympics, as well as a, a successful uh, professional uh, career in uh, overseas, mainly in France. But um, and then my mom as well played volleyball. And she played with uh, the University of Calgary, and she I think she won at least one national championship with them. She might have won two with the University of Calgary there. So volleyball is definitely kind of kind of in my blood, and I actually. Um, I was born in Calgary, but I grew, I uh, I spent about four and just four to, or five years in, in Paris actually, because my dad was still playing professionally over there. So I remember I do have some memories of uh, going to some games, and again, I, not not necessarily the volleyball that my dad was playing, but being on the track and just the atmosphere at the games, running around with my brother, my older brother Tanner, on the track, you know, slapping some some balloons around or something like that, but. Uh, I definitely, yeah, I was definitely, uh, remember, uh, I have some fond memories in, uh, France. And, um, but growing up, I, I actually, my first love was probably baseball. I, uh, I started t-ball when I was six. And, uh, that was kind of my sport growing up. And I did, really didn't start volleyball early, I'd say. Like, as in, I, I started volleyball when, you know, I was kind of just playing for my time. I'd be 14. So when I was like 13 years old, I'd, other than that, I'd do the odd camp and like little things. But, I was always in the gym with uh, having my older brother as well. He so obviously he played two years of club before me, and my parents actually coached him those two years. So growing up, I was in the gym a lot. I was when they go to tournaments, I'd be on the bench, I'd be watching volleyball, I'd be at all the all his volleyball events. So I definitely was in the gym a lot, and I got to experience and kind of feel volleyball. And I was kind of I knew I was going to play volleyball. And I was kind of again waiting for. Kind of my time, I was just on the bench at the Tanner's events, waiting for my time to kind of get out there and play. And yeah, then when I started playing it, I kind of just, you know fell in love with it. Yeah. Nice, and it seems like that Calgary area. Um a lot of national team guys kind of settled there. Like you're similar age to Jesse Elser, where it seems like the the strong alumni volleyball sense there. So when you started playing club. Like, did you notice that, like, a lot of your dad's buddies were around? Like, some of the names kept popping up again, whether it's the Elsers or, I mean, the Saxons are a little bit older, but there, there's a ton of national team alumni in that Calgary area. So, a lot of good coaches, a lot of good volleyball players. Like, did you kind of recognize people that it was just normal to you because you were growing up with all these guys at, at the same time? Yeah, I mean, uh, whenever I go out with my dad to, like, volleyball events, it always takes us about, like, an hour to leave because we've <laughs> got to stop and uh, say hi to everyone and we'll have to, you know, catch up and chat. So, there's always that, but, you know, for me, I was just like, come on, let's, let's get out of here. Like, I didn't really understand the significance of it when I had, like, kind of when I was younger. But, again, I think that, yeah, the national team program used to be in Calgary, kind of at my, my my dad's time when he was with them. They, they were run out of the Calgary, I think. But, yeah, there's definitely some rich volleyball history in Calgary with, you know, Randy Jindera's here, too. There's Willis Croft. There's Phil Knight. There's Saxton. There's, yeah, my, my dad. There's. I know I'm forgetting a bunch, but you know, there definitely is a core, uh, just love for volleyball. I think, and it's, yeah, it's definitely rubbed off on me. Yeah. 
Now, it, it might have normalized for you, but I, I'm curious with your brother playing and obviously what your parents accomplished, like, what were the volleyball conversations like as a kid? Like, were you guys going pretty tactical about, like, where are we serving? Like, what skill are we doing? Like, are, are we running an overload as, like, a 15U setter? Like, uh, I'm just curious, did you kind of, like, get to dive into it? Or was it just so normal that you guys wanted to talk about volleyball because everybody was playing? Um, yeah, so I, yeah, my parents actually coached me as well for, I guess, U14, U, actually up to U16, I guess, 15, 16. Um, and if I'm honest, I probably didn't utilize my dad enough. Like, I, I, I still don't. You know, it's kind of coming um, later with maturity, I think, and just having those more conversations with him. I think I definitely underutilized him in my youth and underappreciated kind of what knowledge he has and stuff like that. So, um, but no, for sure. My mom, my mom was always a uh, more tact, uh, technical, like passing as when we were younger and she always kind of developed all her simple skills like that. And she was really good with that. And I think that kind of set us up for success later. And then my dad was again, more, kind of more, more technical, more tactical and a little bit more fine too. But my mom was definitely there to, to kind of get the foundation and the basics down and ensure those are solid before they kind of, you know, jump ahead and. Yeah, I love having them as coaches. Yeah. Nice, nice. And you, you and I were just talking before the show about your club era and uh, when, when Canuck and Dinos kind of joined together, just the opportunity to be a 17U guy and kind of affiliated with the university. Like, what was it like uh, with Ian and the other coaches, but also being able to practice at the university? Like, it, it seems like uh, Tom Sora and I had a joke when he went to Calgary that, like, half, half the Dinos are from Calgary. Like, it's just such a good volleyball community. So, when you guys got the affiliation and got to be around the university guys, like, what was that like as a 17U player? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I mean, I think it's well, when you get kind of U17, you're kind of looking for post-secondary and it's kind of looking for ways to uh, prolong your career. And I think all our group was kind of pretty motivated to, you know, extend their volleyball career. So I think, you know, being associated with Calgary is pretty cool. I mean, like, hey, you know, like we're, we're kind of taking that step. We're kind of getting closer to the to post-secondary and kind of getting to use their facilities, have a, you know, being playing in a big, the Jack Simpson's huge, first of all. Um, don't love the gym, personally, but <laughs> <laughs> it's huge. Um, and, uh, it was just, yeah, cool to use their weight facility too and use their, through Carla Skilling. She was, she's awesome. She's a weight trainer and, uh, and she's, I think she still trains for the UC, uh, team, but yeah, it was just definitely cool to kind of take that next step. And Ian Holiday and Chris James and Travis Banks, they were great for us and kind of helped us get to that, uh, that, that transition stage, kind of giving us preps for post-secondary volleyball. It was kind of, yeah, it was definitely awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and you probably don't notice when you're in it, but uh, did, did you ever get a sense like all your teammates are going to go on to play university? It seems like we were even talking before the show that like Jackson Howe was still kind of like semi new to high level volleyball and to look what he's turned into and some other guys on your team. Like, was it just fun going to practice every day with these guys because like you just knew everybody was dialed in and everybody was going to push each other? Yeah, I'm not sure what the average club experience is, but I. I, I love our team. Like we had a solid core group from, I think it was like, yeah, from like U15, we kind of started off and it was just kind of same core group. And then we'd add, you know, a couple pieces here and there. And Jackson came to us, uh, U17 when we transitioned him to middle for us. And he, he ended up getting the game winning block in the third set of a national final for us to, to win it for us. So it was, you know, kind of, but yeah, going to the gym every day and it's just like those guys are your, your best friends. You look forward to kind of getting to the gym and kind of competing. And yeah, like we definitely worked hard and uh, definitely kind of earned what we, we got 
and um, again, just pushing each other to be better. I think there's kind of that uh, that culture of excellence we kind of started at a young age, and again, yeah, we were all excited. I think we were all, I think, out of that group, maybe like 15. I think probably like 10 of us went on to play post secondary, and we uh, are are still playing today, even and um, at some level. So I think, yeah, for sure, it was like at some stage, it's kind of we were, we were ready to kind of move on, and I think we were ready. Uh, yeah, we could definitely see the talent in the gym, and we we're waiting for that to kind of translate and wait for our time in post secondary. So nice, yeah. Because I'm curious how you treated your your club experience. Like, were you guys talking about winning provincials and, and winning nationals? Because I think I have my timeline right. Like, obviously, you and How and Elser and a few other guys played there, but you would have been playing against like Mac Elgert's Fog team. I think you would have been playing against like Eric Lepke was coming up in the Manitoba. I think Sharon uh, in the Ontario area. Like, there was just seems like a nationals was a big deal because there were so many good players at that time. So, would you guys talk about it in your team talks about like we want to win nationals this year? This is what it's going to take, or were you more of a process guy? Like, how did the the, the seventeen years, especially when you won provincials and nationals, kind of lay out for you? Um, yeah, it was definitely. We definitely have a pretty, I thought we had a solid uh, age group for volleyball talent just across, across the country in general. Um, and I, I felt like we still had a target on our back because I think we, on my five years of club, we won provincials four times. We won uh, national, we won nationals the one year in U17. We had two silvers in the nationals and we had a bronze. So on my five years of club volleyball, I guess, yeah, I had four national medals with four provincial gold medals as well. Um, but I felt, yeah, we played Swan, like, we, I think we played them three years in a row in the finals, and we finally beat them in the uh, U17. We finally beat the Packman team. Um, and then by U18 year, we crossed over them with the semis, unfortunately. So, because we didn't win provincial that year, because that uh, Fog team was definitely pretty stacked with Max Elgert, and they got Jackson Kennedy coming over. They basically just got guys who were playing up, so they're just kind of, went down and joined that. They just kind of made a super team at the team, it seemed like, you know. And uh, it was a battle all year with them, and uh, unfortunately, they kind of got the best of us most of the time. And this was new to us because uh, we were kind of going through, you know, like we, we were used to kind of just rolling through everybody in Alberta, and we are kind of the top dog. And then, you know, all of a sudden, these new guys come in, and it's just like, it's frustrating. It was definitely new for us. But, um, again, it was, it was uh, motivation, I think. And, uh, again, yeah. Nice. So with with you being a, a top level club player, like a youth national team guy, when did you start to seriously like either start pursuing post-secondary schools yourself or when did coaches start talking to you? Like when did you start to narrow it down about where you wanted to go? Yeah, so for a while there I didn't know what I was gonna do with post-secondary because I played I played baseball to grade eleven. I played on the provincial team one summer as a as a pitcher and a I wasn't sure if I was going to take volleyball or baseball, if I'm honest. Um, but sure enough, I started, to get, I started getting some offers uh, in my grade 11 year. I got a couple offers early. And then I I realized that baseball, um, you know, none of us have got a, we're not too familiar with that, what that, that would look like. And then you'd have to go to the States and kind of go through all that. And I wasn't really familiar with that whole process. And I was already getting my, uh, and in baseball, for every that's going to want to you, there's like 10 Dominicans. They're <laughs> faster and throw harder than you, you know? So uh, so I, I realized that, you know, I think I could probably go further in volleyball. And it was actually an interesting story, like with uh, my recruiting, because uh, I actually was a left side. I was an outside in the barrel um, since U16. 
U, U16 was the last year at set. And then my U17, U18 year, I was uh, left side or a libero. Um, but then I started getting offers. And some places I get offers to just to go to, as an outside or a patcher. And then I get offers to go to one place just to set. And I haven't set in two years. And I got offers from places to do whatever I wanted to set or or hit, you know, just to be in the gym, essentially. And I could get reps at both. And then uh, got a training came around and they offered me a, uh, a spot to set as well that year. And um, I just, I think, I think as I'm six three, I'd say I'm a little undersized. I'm kind of, I don't jump super well. I'm kind of grounded with the shoulder. Um, but, uh, so we talk, I just prolonged my volleyball career and I, I want to play volleyball as long as I can. And I plan on heading overseas, I think after my post-secondary career. And I just thought I could, I think I have the knowledge and I think I have, uh, the skill sets as a setter, I think. And I thought I could develop as a setter and I think I could play and go further as a setter than I could as an outside, I think. So I, I kind of had that decision to make. Not not only that I had to make the decision of where I'd want to go for, you know, schooling and um, and, and what program I'd be in, and but I'd have to pick what position I wanted to play. So it's kind of like, you know, I had like three big decisions kind of to make, and um, I ended up falling on uh, Trinity. I enjoyed what Ben had to say, and yeah. Nice. And help me out with the timeline in terms of Trinity. Like when you got there, uh, you and Lepke, I guess, would have been the younger guys. But who were some of the seniors? Like, was TK still there? Was Schreimer one of the vets? Like, who were some of the older guys with the team? So, yeah, when I got in, so my my year, uh, I, I lived with Lepke. I went in with Lepke. Um, him and I were roommates. Then we had Caden Gamash, who's just another local boy from Fraser Valley. So those were my years. But TK would have just left. They won that national championship in McMaster, which was his final year. Um, and then I joined the team after that. So the kind of the, the, the leadership was kind of, so we had Adam Schreiber, uh, Ryan Slater, uh, Blake Shearhorn, um, Aaron Betcher was there still, uh, before shoulder surgery. Um, that was kind of mainly the older guys. Yeah. And what were your first thoughts with the program? Cause I think uh practices are pretty tough and and to me just as a, as a fan it, it starts pretty fast where it seems like there's blue and white matches happening in preseason like uh it seems like there's usually a trip involved to play a bunch of schools like uh, how did you feel about the, the level of volleyball and your skill set when you first joined that program i mean it was kind of a shock at first right uh, i i went from kind of being good at volleyball i felt to just being absolute trash you know like, <laughs> like I, said, I change positions i'm in the top program i'm just like in there, I'm thinking, man, like I'm the worst person in this gym right now, kind of thing. And just, you know, it's crushing confidence a little bit, but you know, I, I worked on it. But uh, yeah, the level of play, I think, um, partially why I think Trinity is so successful from you know year in and year out is just their level of play, their level of heat every day in practice. They get to they basically get to play another Canada team, you know, every day in, in practice, you know. So I think, and that, that's kind of what the difference is. I think they just have such a high level of training, not only um, that, that, that they can develop a lot faster and they get to compete every day so hard. And I remember, yeah, practices were just so fun because it's just like you're surrounded by so much talent. And um, yeah, it was just, it was just to compete, it was just so much fun. And yeah, it was just knowing that you're, you're in the room and in the gym with some of the best talents in Canada and just, you know, doing something to stop them and just competing with them. It's just, yeah, it was a lot of fun. 
So with you, like you mentioned, uh, you, you went away from the setting position and then you were back at it at a university level. Uh, like was Benjo a big help? Did you work closely with like uh, Ball, who's there as an assistant coach, who was a heck of a setter? Like, uh, how did you feel like you kind of closed the gap from taking off like your 17 or 18 year and then jumping into U sports trying to set again? I mean, yeah, they, I think they're calling it setter U right now. They're calling uh, <laughs> King Western setter U. I, I think that's pretty fitting, I think. The three, the three head coaches there at the time was uh, Ben Joe, who um, set, Ben Ball, who set, and Joel Jackson, who set as well. So they're all, all their coaches were head, were setter coaches. So, and Ben Joe loves having his hands on and just, like just the level of intent and um, just his eyes is just incredible. And I mean, I didn't, I didn't get a lot of playing time when I went to Trinity, but the way I developed under Ben Joe and Ben Ball. And, the way they, they were able to coach me and train me, I think that that has a lot of value in uh in how I would have developed this or how who I am as a as a player today. I think if I if I didn't go there, if I were to go different, I don't think I would have had as as much I don't know, the resources I had at Trinity were very very good and I, I very much enjoyed working with Ben Ball or Jen Joe. And um I say, yeah, they they really helped uh, develop me as a setter, and I, I think I I owe a lot of my success to to, to them for sure, and, and how they developed me in those two years I was there. And then uh, just just moving down the road, like what went into your decision to transfer? Uh, I, I believe you ended up at State, right? Was that a decision to try to be closer to home, or was that a, a choice with your studies? Like what? Uh, I know it's never an easy decision to transfer schools, but what kind of weighed on you that you decided that uh, you wanted to make the move? So I didn't have the greatest second year. I uh, just some mental health issues, just uh, some things I didn't really take care of in high school, and then kind of the stress of volleyball and uh, school just kind of got to me, and I didn't really have the best second year. And I thought I'd do kind of the more mature thing and kind of put me first. And I actually took a whole year off of uh, there, and then um, took a whole year off and just worked on my mental health work, and then. I realized I wanted to play volleyball again, and I think I still had more to give to volleyball. And um, I, just, I, you know, I talked to Sean McKay, and I, I wanted to stay home and just close to home. And again, the yeah, state was kind of just the destination for me for that year, and and I enjoyed my year there. Yeah, that's for sure. Nice, yeah. And if it's not too personally, just speaking of mental health, like. Uh how do you feel you navigated that? Cause obviously like playing sport at a U sports level, like the, you can get kind of on the roller coaster of highs and lows. Like how, how have you kind of developed into a high level player, but knowing that uh, maybe you're, you have more control or maybe you're just playing more free. Like what are some little tricks that uh, you figured out that really helped you? Um, yeah. So I, I, guess I struggle with anxiety and depression. And um, I think the biggest thing is I kept a lot of things to myself. I, I put a lot of pressure on myself and I, I didn't really open up to many people and I, I don't think many people knew I was struggling and it wasn't until I, you know, I, I, I opened up and I, it was just kind of that, uh, that overflow of kind of a, the support and the love I felt in that. And, and, uh, that, that really helped me out to from the start. And I, I encourage people if, uh, they are struggling to, Again, to, to talk to people and to be open with your emotions and just know that there's people out there who care and want to support you. And I think just overall, I've had a lot of time to kind of reflect and kind of mature, I'd say. And I think I had a, a pretty uh, closed mind, I think, back then. I think I'm much more um, open to experiences and to kind of uh, 
yeah, just, I'm just more open to experiences and um, mm-hmm. I just feel like I have a better support system and I'm, I'm again, I'm open with them and I'm honest with them and, um, you know, it's, you don't, ex- you shouldn't be expected to be your best every day and nor uh, is that really possible. So I think just accepting where, where you are kind of in your day and kind of, you know, doing what you can. And I think the biggest thing for me is being present. I, uh, I struggle with being present. I struggle with, you know, worrying about the future. I, I struggle with, uh, uh, thinking about opportunities that I, you know, missed in the past and that I could have, you know, taken advantage of. But, um, again, I'm just staying present and doing what work I can do today and doing what I can do today. And, you know, hopefully that'll benefit me in the future. But I think I'm just, just taking care of knowing that there's uncontrollables out there and things that I can't really control. And then, um, no, and doing the things I can't control and doing that, those things well, I think. And that, yeah, those are probably the biggest change. Nice, man. That's so well said. Thanks for sharing that. And have you noticed just within your own team room at Red Deer that guys are a little bit more willing to, to speak up? Or have you kind of taken that on yourself as a leader that like, you'll maybe initiate those conversations with guys or just let them know if they need anything? Like, I, I think it has come to the forefront, but I, I think we still got a long way to go. So is there anything that, that either coaches or leaders on teams can do to kind of help accelerate this for some guys? Because it, it can be uncomfortable to speak up, like you said. Uh, yeah, again, I think it, I think it's just important to be having those conversations and ensuring that um, that people are heard and um, just know that you are there for them and that you know you're able to talk about things. And uh, that's, that's a point that we make. I think is just um, again just reiterating because because life gets you know life gets in the way of things and um, especially with volleyball, it's kind of you know we've spread maybe a little thin on some things and we watch. We want you to be your best, and we want you to perform your best for the team and for yourself. So I think if there's things getting in the way, there's which is life. If there's things that are bothering you and stuff, I think it's important to be again engaging in those conversations. And I think just just be, just monitoring people. I think uh, a lot of people show that you know there's there's things wrong, but I don't think a lot of us kind of engage with it in a way. You know, there's from day to day. I think we spend every day with each other, so I think it's just kind of. You kind of know when somebody is a little off. So I think, again, just, just together after practice, being, hey, man, you want to have a beer? You want to chat? You want to, you know, something small, just little gestures like that. And I think, um, but we, we shouldn't avoid those difficult conversations. And I, I think that's what we do as humans. We're kind of those uh, pain, fearing, or whatever. Uh, we run away from pain as, as humans. And uh, if anything, you know, that only hurts us in uh, the future. So I think, you know, sometimes we got to combat things kind of head on. and before this kind of becomes too overwhelming i think you just gotta just, just a little conversations i think amazing. for sure man yeah thanks again for sharing that so uh your decision to go to red deer like uh, obviously uh, as a casual fan uh that seems like a volleyball factory like did that weigh in on your decision like i again was this a, a program thing like when you decided to join red deer what went into that decision yeah so it was a late decision so um i actually took off Last semester due to the COVID and stuff, I was just like, there's not going to be a volleyball season. So I wasn't sure what I was wanting to do in school even. And so I kind of took that first semester off and then uh, I just worked. Um, and it was kind of, it wasn't until like, it was basically August this year. Where I was just like, man, like I, I kind of want to play volleyball. I think I, I wasn't sure if I was in a place that I could give myself the volleyball fully and and I didn't think that would be fair to a team, to, to a program if I wasn't, you know, fully invested in school and into uh, volleyball. Um, so I was kind of waiting and it was kind of August. I kind of had this moment where it kind of hit me where I'm like, I think I'm, 
you know, I still got a lot to give to volleyball and I got a lot to, uh, and, um, so basically that limited my, with how late it was, it kind of limited my options. And she was pretty, uh, persistent and he was, uh, texting me kind of, uh, throughout the summer, like every month. And, you know, I, I'd reply here and there, but I, most of the time I'd leave him on red. <laughs> um, but it wasn't until kind of, kind of August and, uh, I was like, Hey, Shula, like, I'll, I'll hear what you're going to have to say. Got on the phone call and right there, I kind of I enjoyed what he had to say and the, the, the pieces kind of that we had here in Red Deer. And, uh, I, I did consider going back to state too, but um, all the guys I kind of played with uh, had moved on from the program. So um, I think this year, looking at the team, I think there's only two guys I played with on that team. It was like a very young kind of new program. Um, and again, I only had two more years left and I, I plan on finishing my last year with Red Deer next year. and. I think just um, the pieces that we have this year, and I think um, not only pieces, but uh, the facilities, man. Like the, the brand new facilities, it's just something that you feel good about walking into and kind of working hard in the gym and got a nice new workout space. And, and um, yeah, just for sure. Um, just the PL and Shula, I, I enjoy Shula. I wasn't sure what the, uh, how it was going to be this year. No, not as I heard, uh, you know, mix, submit, to mix, mix, uh, Mixed, uh, what, what do you call it? <laughs> Opinions about him, but uh, yeah, for sure, I uh, I've enjoyed it so far, and he's been really good to me and to the team and whatnot. Yeah, that that's great. And you mentioned the pause with COVID. Like, how excited were you for that first match when like there's a ref there, there's another team there, like the there's there's no more stop and start going on. That like you got to battle and play an official league game. Was that just were you fired up? Was the whole squad fired up? Because it's been such a weird uh, last couple seasons for everybody. Were you just so excited to get going? Yeah, I think the boys didn't really know what to do. As in, like, you know, the routine, the national anthem, the, the whatever, the, the little etiquette things before. I don't think, you know, we were a little rusty on that. But uh, we're definitely excited to be out there. And um, Yeah, this whole year has kind of been weird because we've kind of been you know, modern COVID and kind of being like, oh, are we going to have, like, we're still worried about nationals going because they're supposed to be in Quebec and whatnot. And, you know, we've kind of been like, still feel like there's kind of this over, like overshadowing us. It's kind of like COVID just kind of waiting to kind of take their season. But so far, so good. We've kind of made it this far. And yeah, we've been, again, it's a very, we realize how much of a privilege it is to play now, I think. And maybe we were a little spoiled before, you know. And I think uh, now that we're back, I think um, we're just yeah, we're we're just excited to be on the court and yeah, just enjoying the privilege of playing close secondary sport. And it might be tough to kind of really uh, weigh in on this because uh, you, it's your first year at Red Deer, but I am curious. Uh, is there a legacy component to it? Like there, to me, there's a lot of turnover in college. Like some guys can be in a one or a two year program. So there is some turnover, but it seems like that's as competitive as a program as there is that they're, they're always good at volleyball. So w- with your squad, are you guys just thinking about this year because you know, the roster is not going to be the same next year, or is there like a legacy component that like y- you guys know that you play for red deer and there's some expectations and you want to do well at provincials and you want to go to nationals. Like what, what, what is the mood about representing red deer at, at such a volleyball powerhouse? Yeah, college is interesting because, like, again, like you said, kind of, um, you know, opposed to, like, I feel you sport, you're kind of there for five years. You, you kind of know what you're going in, you're moving into next year, you're gaining guys, you're losing the senior guys. But uh, college is completely different because, again, like you said, the two-year program, there's people in and out. And I think each year, I think there's probably a decent turnover. So it's, we're kind of playing with, uh, again, it's a brand new team, it feels like, and uh, 
you're having the gel, you're having to get the chemistry because those teams going again. But you for sure feel um, some pressure from uh, obviously the past success and the legacy that it is and uh, the privilege it is to uh, wear a Kings uniform and the crown on your on your chest and whatnot. But um, again, pressure, pressure is a privilege. So I think we are we are fortunate to be in this position and to kind of have that target on our back and we kind of expect teams to kind of play better against us and I think that's that's awesome and I think we we're, we're excited about kind of getting teams best games and um yeah I, I just I think we do definitely feel some pressure to to succeed and again like in our locker room I think we have like every national there's like written on the on the wall all our national championships and it's about like I don't know how many I'm not really too educated on it but um I don't but it's a lot it's a lot up there and it's just kind of hanging over top of us the whole time and we're but uh again we kind of look at it and we're like hey okay, we're next uh, you know like our year is going to be on this you know, kind of, we're going to add our our own stamp kind of on this uh this year and kind of on this uh, program and the legacy and kind of contribute to that and I think that helps to um just sharing stories from past years too and just like kind of how the teams were and how how hard everyone worked and again I think we it, it contributes to us uh working hard in the gym because again we we have all those batters in their gym and it's they're kind of just staring at us and so we're just waiting to hang ours in the rafters i think nice nice and to jump into your game a little bit like uh, i'm reading the game log and some of it's pretty gnarly like it's not unusual for you to you know get involved in the offense and have between like three and six kills you know get eight digs we've already talked about like you from the service line and then you're getting like 50 assists like do you just feel the the match out and just feel confident that you can contribute like uh there, there are some coaches out there that like if the setter dumps and they get dug they don't want you to dump anymore right because you just took away an opportunity like do you feel that you have the green light to get involved in the offense that you're going to get a couple digs like it's it just impressive for a setter to have a stat line it seems like you have a tick in every category right so uh, how have you felt about your own performance and all the layers you're contributing on. I think it's important for kind of the center to kind of contribute in any way they can and everywhere they can. And I think partially why I'm, I think playing different positions growing up, um, as much as it took away from my setting reps and what it is today, I think it's helped me be a well-rounded volleyball player, whether that be with my serve, that is like having a, a good shoulder that is from being an outside and my net play I'd say is, is definitely stronger and I think we, we try to put me on uh, on the net and uh, allow me to kind of make a play if I if I can and kind of be athletic and kind of do something um, I'd definitely say that's kind of one of my stronger aspects when I am on the net um, but yeah yeah again I just try to Again, my defense, I, I used to be libero, I think. I, I take pride. That was probably one of my better aspects of my game. I think I'm a little lacking this year a little bit, but uh, I definitely uh, think I could pick up some more digs here and there. But, um, yeah, overall, I just think I, I just enjoy competing. Again, I just go out there and compete and find ways to win, whether I'm happy to get 10 kills or I'm happy to get zero kills as long as kind of we come out with uh, a win and contribute in that way. But, yeah. Nice. And you mentioned earlier, like you played baseball at like a provincial team level and you played pretty late in life and you've played outside. Like I think to a lot of coaches, we think younger athletes, like if they play baseball, they're going to have a good arm swing. But I'm curious, 
because you've played it at such a high level and it probably gets really specific that like throwing a slider isn't the same as spin serving, right? But there is some some arm swing to it. So have you found that like pitching did help you actually serve and crack on these balls or is it just too specific that it's it's not the same because you're, you know, you're on a mound and it's a different target and all that other stuff? Like, is it honestly more the same than it is different or is it so specific that it's like it helps but not that much? I'd say it definitely helps. I think it definitely has helped me get velocity on my serve. I think baseball is a little bit longer. As in, it's, uh, as in the arm swing is a little longer. You kind of reach a little further back. Whereas I think volleyball is a, a much more compact kind of arm swing. And I think it's maybe more like maybe a football throw kind of like that uh, in that sense. But um, for sure, that's contributed to, to me having being able to put velocity on my serve and even put a spin on my serve and whatnot. But um, yeah, I encourage younger athletes to definitely try new sports and try and, and and play as many sports as they can, kind of. And uh, I think that just helps us be a well-rounded athlete and find, uh, yeah. Now, with setting, I always, I love going down the rabbit hole with setters because there seems to be like a lot of art and science where uh, I, I'm curious how do you find the balance of like somebody's got the hot hand and everybody in the gym knows they're going to get the ball and you're going to feed them and they're going to take care of it anyways, or you're trying to find like equal distribution and you're going to kind of be like Tom Brady as a football player and he wants to throw to six different guys and do use different situations. Like how do you kind of know what the game's calling for? And you can just ride one guy versus like, okay, this is the game that the P2 is going to have to be a plus six. And I want to get my M2 some balls, even though let's face it, some M2s don't get any balls sometimes. So uh, how do you kind of feel out a match that way where it's like, here's what we want to do, but, they're adjusting we're adjusting like the whole cat and mouse game that setters can really dive into yeah um i feel like i distributed the ball pretty, pretty equally if you look at probably the boss scores over this year i'd say i, I kind of find everyone and uh, i enjoy making guys feel good and kind of you know i think that's kind of filling each other's buckets and kind of um you know making them feel good about contributing and finding ways to contribute and i think with that fight in the hot hand thing i think kind of a game of, you know, you can ride this guy for a little bit with a hot hand, and then I think you got to kind of go away from him for a couple and kind of just keep, make sure you're keeping the, the blocker off of him and stuff like that. And um, Again, if you find the hot hand and he's, he's hot, then you, you find him for a little bit, but then you got to, again, kind of go away from him, kind of kind of pull the blockers the other way, and then, then you're kind of going back and forth, and it's kind of like Dave, kind of like running your middles, you know, getting your middles going. As soon as they start seeing that, you release it. You know, they start going outside and kind of go back to the middle and kind of, you know, kind of back and forth and that. But I think I, I focus a lot on, on finding a matchup I like that is uh, an attacker versus a blocker matchup. So in, especially college ball, it seems like, you know, every lineup kind of has a weak spot um, typically, or there's, there's, there's typically maybe a smaller blocker in a, in a lineup. So I think you could definitely abuse that from there and, um, from there, it's just keep creating separation, kind of running the middle away from it and kind of creating a separate, or, uh, again, it depends on the blocker's tendencies and stuff like that. And, um, but it's, yeah, I, I think it's just understanding the blocker's tendencies and what they're wanting to do. If they like to help more, then to kind of create that kind of overload over him, that 30 overload. If he's a right side blocker, wanting to help with the middle and you kind of create that, uh, just get him to pause a little bit and flick it kind of over top. But, um, yeah. Now, are you taking a peek? Like I, I always see, well, I don't always see, but some setters have a, a bit of an obvious tell where they do the head bob and they look through like, 
how much information are you able to gather or it is like they're your coach or an assistant coach or maybe the the other setter who's in the box squad like are they paying attention to this like how, how much intel are you gathering live versus like i'm matching my video to what the bench guys see to what i'm doing like th- there's so many layers you can take this i'm just curious what works best in your process to either feel it out or to have some support from the box squad about what they're seeing too I mean, yeah, going into the weekends, I definitely think I have a, a decent idea of what blockers want to do just from video in that aspect. And when I'm in certain situations, I kind of have an idea what maybe what the blockers are going to want to do and stuff like that. But yeah, I definitely take a peek and I try to get as much as I can. And then if they're blockers are, again, if I'm moving along the net and I can take a peek if the middle's following me or not, and just kind of, again, if you're setting long court or something like that, and all of that too. And, uh, even even the left side, if he's coming to help with the middle, then you can release it back on that. On that, or if he's fronting me again, just being that uh, separation for my C ball. But um, yeah, I definitely that's something I've been trying to develop for sure. Is just kind of getting that feel and being able to kind of see the blockers more and kind of make a decision from there and kind of. Now. Uh, this this I think is different for every setter, but we had Dustin Snyder on the show, and I thought it was hilarious. Where let's not like o- over glance this. Everybody knew Gavin was going to get the most value, but Dustin thought like one of the best things he did was keep the middles engaged because he's got to run them on a thirty almost every time to try to get Gavin space, and he's got to convince the other team middle that even I'm only going to set this one out of six times, one out of eight times, I still have to convince that guy across the net, and I got to convince my guy to go hard every single time when he's only getting the ball like one out of six times. So how do you keep guys feeling valued that even if your middles get get you a one-on-one that they know hey that's a great job even though the stat sheet might say oh you only got six kills or you only got like eight attempts like that to me is so much easier said than done that how do you keep the guys engaged about like the ripple effect of it versus the guy who's getting the kill and, and getting the big selly i think uh our team does a really good job of kind of noticing the little things and celebrating the little things so again um if we do get a one-on-one on the outside and the middle pops with our middle you know our outside to come down we're all cheering our middle right like I did a good job getting their pull, and then the middle saying, or I'm saying, good job to the passer. Right? It's just it's the little things. Like I'm saying, good job to the passer. Our outside's coming to our middle saying, thanks for the one on one and stuff like that. But it's, again, noticing the little things and just the little advantages that uh, that uh, contribute to our success. Because um, end of the day, I think that when you get to a high enough level, anyone can put a one on one away. Like you get to a high enough level, level, I think if you create that one on one, I think they're scoring probably at an 80, 85 percent clip or whatever it is. Oh, again, it's, it's, it's the little things that we notice, and it's the little, again, the middle, or, or pulling their middle is, is huge for us, right? Um, likewise, like, if we if we are in a high ball and we triple block and we get a block by that, we, we're celebrating with the service because he got a result, he got a, he got them in high ball, right? It's just, or or small things like that. Like a setter, they'll go and they'll tip out a setter, and then we get a high ball back and we get a block. Same thing. It's like good, good setter takeout, but it's just, um, I think we do a good job of noticing and celebrating the little things that create advantages for us. And um, with that, again, like our middle, I think, I don't know, I'm always on our, our middle saying, hey, good job, good job, all the all the time. Making, again, I, I don't think we, we give them enough volume. And I, I think that's something we've actually been working on in the second half is giving them more volume because we do have physical middles. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just noticing the little things and, I think if if, we, if every play we're kind of noticing the small things that people do, I think in the end of the day, we're kind of filling each other's buckets, even though we didn't necessarily do much in the grand scheme of things, right? But I think just, just ensuring people are, are feeling good about their contribution and, and whatnot. And I, I think in volleyball, it's cool because 
you, you always have a job and you always have a role. And if, if you don't, you're probably missing something. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's that's so cool to hear that everybody's so engaged that they do see it. It, it seems like a good group to be a part of versus like the, that poor middle who keeps pulling and keeps pulling and not getting the job done. If nobody recognizes, eventually they're going to start going slower, right? So it, it's cool. You guys have that much awareness and that much appreciation for everybody. But I got to know, can you flip the switch and go at it and practice? Like are guys getting at it through the net or like you fighting with the blockers? Like really, like it sounds like you're, you're a really tight knit group. But when it's practice on a Tuesday, like are you guys getting after it too? I've actually, yeah, I've actually never been with a chirpier bunch. Like, honestly, all the time in the locker room, people are just going at it. Not not in a bad way, in a fun way, but it's always kind of poking fun at someone's expense and stuff like that. And in practice, it's nonetheless, you know, we're fighting over points or fighting about this, fighting about that, you know, calling doubles, you know, hey, you're on the net, and like, stuff like that. And just, but, uh, we're definitely a competitive bunch, and, you know, sometimes maybe it gets a little far, if anything. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, for sure, we definitely have that switch of, you know, kind of supporting each other. And I think we do a good job of knowing when someone is kind of kicking the butt and then when someone needs a pat on the back, kind of thing. Yeah, like, how do you find that balance that, like, when it's over, is everybody willing to move on? Like, there's no grudges. Like, uh, not to name drop again, but when we had Binstock on the team, he talked about uh, his university Toronto team. It was such a tight group that if you had a problem with somebody the next day, it was on you because you couldn't let it go. Like they were trying to make you better and it was supposed to be a competitive environment that like they, they wanted so much love and support that if you're still upset, that's kind of on you for holding the grudge. Not that I was a jerk through the net or something. So have you found any tricks to kind of like when it's over, it's over versus like, Oh man, I really hate practicing against so-and-so. <laughs> like, I, think, yeah, I think it's just, again, understanding that we are as athletes, especially in our program too, we're, we're competitors first. And, you know, sometimes maybe we say things that maybe, you know, are, they're, they're there to compete and we're competitive and we kind of just enter the state where things are said. And again, it's not personal. It's not because we don't like you. It's not that I, I agree with that. You know, whatever's said on the court is one thing, but as soon as we're off the court, as soon as we're out of the change room or whatever, we're kind of, you know, we're bros, we're best friends and whatnot. But uh, again, we need to have that, uh, that switch and being able to kind of turn on the competitiveness and kind of enter that state where um, just come game time, if we never, if we never practice getting in that state where we're kind of like competitive and stuff, then what do we expect kind of every weekend? It's just, you know, we're just going to kind of roll over. We're going to kind of let it happen. But I think uh, finding ways to be competitive in practice and finding ways to kind of, you know, push in each other and, you know, make each other better. I think that's kind of what it is. It's just kind of guys, you know, chirping at each other, trying to make each other better, better in, in the, in the end of it. So I think it's kind of understanding what the intent is there and, and not taking it personal. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That, that's nice. So, uh, uh, this might be totally off your radar and it might even be a good thing, but I am curious, uh, just looking at your playoff schedule, it looks like you guys are going to start playoffs by the end of February, but uh, here in Ontario, we just got going again. So I'm curious, is that even on your radar in terms of like, we want to fight for a national championship, but oh, wait a second, we don't know when nationals is going to be because Ontario, Quebec and out east, like they've been delayed. So are, are you guys so focused on your next game and competing for the ACAC or has there been talk in the gym about like, you know, we're going full speed ahead with our schedule, but there might be a pause before nationals right i think right now with with how it is is we only have one bid national acac does so i think right now we're kind of just all in on we're not too worried about what's going on out there and again we're you we have to win acac so we're kind of locked in on that first and then you know if, if we don't win that then you know we don't have to worry about nationals. so <laughs> i think we're just kind of 
kind of locked in on that and kind of that's your first goal and we'll take it step by step but for sure it's definitely weird where like the rankings come up too and there's teams that haven't even played a game that are ranked in the top you know like six <laughs> right, or whatever it is right. it's from Ontario and we're like okay <laughs> you know like you haven't even seen them play yet and stuff like that but yeah it's definitely gonna be weird and um yeah I don't know I, I hope everything's a go and I hope we get to see some teams but I think we're kind of, we're feeling good and we're kind of on the way up. I think we still have room to grow and I think we're, we've been taking some great steps these past few weeks and I think we're just excited to kind of, I think if we're, we feel that if we're healthy, um, then we're fine. And then if we're, if we have our full guy to go and I think we're, we're not too afraid of who's on the other side of the net really. Just play our, our volleyball. We kind of know what we're capable of and we kind of got to, yeah, just, just be our best every day. Yeah. Nice. And not to look too far ahead, but you did mention like the goal of playing professional. I am curious, uh, have you hired an agent or is that something you do after your playing career? Like how much detail have you looked into about like going overseas? Uh, who has a positional need for you? Like, do you have a, a top list of, of, of clubs or, or countries you want to play in? Like, well, what is the process for you about looking at that and maybe making like your first occupation a, a volleyball career? Right, that's a good question. Um, I haven't really reached out or haven't really looked into that because I still plan on coming back for one more year. So I think that's definitely something I gotta get into, and either find an agent or whatever it is this this next year and develop a uh, good film and whatnot and and get all that and see what's out there. But yeah, I plan on again playing volleyball as long as I can, as long as it makes sense. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the future holds, but really don't know what's out there right now for me necessarily but um again that's kind of uh i think that, that's that's more of a next year problem for me or a next year kind of, kind of thing a future me problem <laughs> <laughs> nice man well th- this has been awesome not only to learn about uh your journey but to take a deep dive into red deer and it sounds like a pretty sweet culture you guys got going there and it seems just like a a fun team to go to the gym with every day so that's awesome and thanks for sharing all that you did uh one tradition we've tried to build into the show is just to tell a funny or unique story where we've heard about you playing at the highest level but uh, i think the volleyball community is pretty uh pretty amazing but pretty goofy sometimes so i was hoping you could share a funny story with us before we let you go yeah i got one uh story it's it's funny now but at the time it wasn't very funny for me it was just pretty probably pretty low for me but uh it's pretty um, so I guess the time it was my experience at the FTC in Gatineau. Um, so I would have been in my first year going to Trinity, coming out of high school. So I haven't been setting for two and a half years now, about, and I've been setting for, for less than a month. And we go, we go on this East Coast tour. So we, I think we left for like, maybe like two and a half weeks. And, uh, we went out East and we played. So we flew into, in Quebec. We played a few games in Quebec and we went all the way through uh, Ontario and all the way to Halifax. But our first uh, first trip was, was right to the uh, FTC the, in Gatineau there. Um, and so we, we, caught, we caught a red eye. So we get there, we're all exhausted. And uh, I think at the time it was run by, his name, his name is Vinny. I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with him, but uh, I don't know, won't say much about him. But <laughs> um, so, so we're practicing and uh, whatnot. And so we're, we're getting into the scrimmage with the FTC and whatnot. And um, I remember setting this pipe ball, and, and Ben Lewin hit it about, or he hit about a, a meter out the back. And uh, I remember thinking, oh, what, okay, whatever. You know, we're scrimmaging, it's practice. And Spinny goes, oh, time out. Everyone in. So I was everyone in. We were waiting there, and um, 
Uh, I think there's like two guys left in the corner. I think it was like Josh McKay and Brooklyn Sonora. And he's like, hey, come in here. We, so we wait for like everyone to come in. We wait for this guy to like to walk across the whole gym. And he, he just looks at me and goes, um, he's like, what is your job? I was, I was shook. I was like, I, was, I froze. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and he goes, it creates a separation in the block, right? I was like, okay. <laughs> He goes, how many blocks were up there? It was like probably one and a half, but I, I told him what he wanted to hear. I was like, I don't know, three. <laughs> and he was like, yeah. So basically, yeah. Anyways, he, he embarrasses me in front of the whole thing, doesn't give me any technical feedback, doesn't give me anything to <laughs> take away from that. And then he would carry on. I'm like, there. I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, I'm like, go on, carry on. And then playing out, it's probably a half hour later, I go, I set a ball, I try to reverse it, I push the floor, try to reverse it. Um, I left it a little inside and a little loose, and I remember him coming. Oh, time out! Everyone in. <laughs> so I everyone back in, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh man, what is it now? And I'm like, what? I'm like, uh oh. And he, uh, he was like, yeah. He's basically, he basically told me his quote was, "Don't do tactically what you can't do technically." <laughs> and so basically, he called everyone in. He called everyone in, and the first one was telling me that that was a bad set, <laughs> and he wanted to tell everyone that. And the second time he called me in, he's saying. You're not good enough to make that set. <laughs> and I'm sitting here as an 18-year-old setting for less than a month, and I'm just sitting here thinking, please don't cry in front of a bunch of grown men. <laughs> right. Like, 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 you know, like FGC, uh, I think it was Josh McKay, Brooklyn Fedor, Arthur Schwartz, who was with their national team now, was there too. And he just absolutely roasted me. And I'm, I should have known something was up because he was just calling me Greaves and he was calling me Tanner. He was calling me my older brother's name. So it was just like he never took the time to know my name. And uh, it was funny because the rest of the year we kind of used that quote for the rest of the year is don't do technically what you can't do tactically. Somebody <laughs> was trying to do it a little much. It was, it was more of a joke for the rest of the year, but but yeah, it was uh, definitely a quote that still stuck with me, and I still uh, <laughs> I still have vivid memory, memories of that uh, the time again. So yeah, I'm I'm glad you guys could use that as a bit of a joke with the guys, but like. I'm fine with the feedback. I don't want to be singled out like that. Like, I don't think those were two moments you need to stop the whole session and call in even the guys standing off to be like, did you see what this guy just did? Like, I'd be fine with like, hey, don't overflow it or, or that set was off. Not like stop the whole practice for my expense. Like, And I swear that was the only two times you stopped it was just to tell me that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. But uh, again, I think that it comes kind of with my last name. I think you kind of saw my last name and you're always kind of my, my dad's son and I kind of there's some, some pressure that goes with that, I think. And but uh, again, never took the time to know my name. But yeah, real. here I am today. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Hilarious. Well, man, this has been awesome. Best of luck uh, with this season. You know, next season and everything you got going ahead. This this was awesome to hear your story. And man, fourteen aces definitely got my attention. I knew I wanted to get you on the show, but it was just cool to hear about everything else you're up to and all that you shared today. So, so thanks so much for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. It's been uh, been, been fun.